in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in to another episode of the Sports Hour. It is great to be here. We are recording this on a Wednesday night, live on a Wednesday night on the YouTube, on the Twitter. If you don't already, if you haven't checked it out, come join us live when we uh, when we do this podcast every Wednesday. If you are live tonight on Twitter, YouTube, hello. Thanks for jumping on in. We've got a fun podcast today uh, reacting to the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets taking home the Larry O'Brien. We've got a fun draft on the back half, drafting the best nicknames in sports. Uh, and a lot of fun in between. So very excited to do this with you tonight, my friend Mitch. Great intro. As always, how are you doing? Good. That was the most lung capacity I think I've had in a while. I uh, I had the flu yeah. this last weekend. So Ooh. this was uh, this was a good uh, bounce back bounce back intro for me. So uh, not your good. flu game, but like your four uh, day after flu game. Yeah, I mean, I I could have had Mitch Mo's flu game 3.0 i've had two or so on, on here so far so yeah but uh no we, no flu game this week we uh we conquered conquered that virus you know what it sucks how like quick it comes and how quick mm-hmm. it goes but like how hard the punch is you yeah. know what i mean like it just kicks the crap out of you for like two mm-hmm. days and then you just you're you're left there at the end going like, why did you have to do that body like why did you have to just annihilate me for two days it makes no sense but it's like a drive-by beatdown you know they they walked up they curb stomped your ass and then they peeled away in that old beat up sh- corvette you know and you were left there on the sidewalk like just bloody what hit just, me yeah 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 what, what even happened I don't even know. It, it came, it went, it was so quick and hard and swift. I didn't even know. That's what she said. Dirty. All right, Mitch. Yep, uh, yep. Let's, let's... <laughs> well done. Well executed. All righty. Well, well uh, thanks, man. On that note, let's... Uh... <laughs> Should we jump into this thing? Yeah, let's get right into it, buddy. Let's get All right. right into it. We're going to start with the NBA playoffs. We have a few other notes that we'll get into, and uh, and then we'll hear uh, Mitch Mo has a top five for us, and that's what will uh, be in store in the first half of the podcast. So let's start with the NBA playoffs, Mitch, and the Denver Nuggets taking home the Larry O'Brien Trophy on Monday night, uh, winning their first NBA title in franchise history. This is a franchise that had never even been to the NBA uh, to the NBA Finals until this season, uh, led by the two-time MVP Nikola Jokic and Finals MVP in this series, uh, and they handled the Miami Heat in five games. And Mitch, they handled 
everybody in the playoffs, frankly. Uh, they had four total losses in this playoff run. They completed this uh, championship run in 20 games since uh, the expansion to of the playoffs to the full seven-game series in 2003. There have only been three teams that have uh, won an NBA title in 20 games or less. It's the 2006-2007 Spurs, the 2016-2017 Golden State Warriors, and the 2022-2023 Denver Nuggets. I mean, this is an incredibly impressive run that we saw from Denver culminating in this uh, five-game handling of a Miami Heat team and uh, a a great story, really, for the NBA and something I really didn't see coming. Yeah, I mean, I think we all underestimated what the Nuggets were capable of doing, and they really kind of flew under the radar with how dominant they were. Um, you know, we weren't talking about Nuggets dominating teams. They were, it was kind of a, well, yeah, they they got by the Lakers in four, but, you know, the, the Lakers, you know, they were a play-in team, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we move on from that. You know, we, we, we talk about all these different, you know, series and we don't really actually sit back and realize, Oh my God, how dominant they actually were. Um, and it was, it was self-evident from the, from the word go here in these NBA finals, they go ahead to take game one by, by 11 points and the heat played them tough, but the nuggets did exactly what they were supposed to do, which was play like the best team in the league. And they did that for five games. Um, even that game two loss, they, they, it was a it was a narrow win for the Heat, only by three. So, um, the better team won in this series. I know we both had the Heat to to go in this series, but um, uh, the better team and probably the right team won um, this this uh, this series. And and hats off to the Nuggets bringing home their first Larry O'Brien. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have always felt like the NBA playoffs is maybe. One of, if not the most true uh, playoff systems that that truly crowns the best team. I don't believe that you can win an NBA title without truly being the best team because you have to win 16 games, face four different teams over four seven game series, and if you make it out of all of that, you are the best team. That there's no there's no if ands or buts about it in my mind because that's the most grueling. There's no flukiness with that. There, there's no you know you got one game in the NFL and wow you just had them that day and they were off. You know you have to earn it. And so yes, absolutely the Denver Nuggets were the team that deserved to win the title. And Mitch, they were probably the team we should have saw coming all all season long, right? I mean they're the best record in the West. They're the number one offense in the NBA this season. And the reason why we didn't believe it is because we just hadn't seen it. It's just as simple as that, right? And it's the reason why I doubted the Denver Nuggets because, again, this was a franchise that hadn't even been to the finals, let alone done anything, right? So I think for the vast majority of NBA fans, and I can speak for myself in this, you know, it was like, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm going to bet on some of these teams that we've seen accomplish more than what this team had done. But this was clearly... In retrospect, as you said, pointing back to these series, this was clearly the best team. This was the best unit uh, performing as a unit, the role players doing what they needed to do, uh, performing at a high level and a superstar Nikola Jokic taking over whole series, dominating whole series, just the way you need a superstar to do in the NBA finals. I mean, it was uh, the perfect run, arguably the perfect run, right? They lost four games. It doesn't get much better than that. So, I mean, I'm just extremely impressed with this Nuggets team. And I didn't see this coming. I never thought, I really never thought Denver would be a team that would win a title. It just never 
crossed my mind and, and I should have given them more credit. Honestly, I really should have. And I, and I think that this is a, an NBA fans, NBA analysts, NBA as a whole problem is that Nikola Jokic is probably the most least assuming superstar that we have in that right. league right now. And when you look at teams that you expect to win titles, you look at the KD Devin Booker t- tandems, right? You look at the LeBron AD tandems. You look at the big name superstars that have put themselves out there on the forefront and make them, you know, and market themselves really. And you, you see those names on those rosters and you go, that's the team that's going to win a title. When you look at Denver, you have Nikola Jokic, who is now, if he wasn't before, he is now a superstar in this league with exceptionally good complimentary players, um, great role players. And you don't think that that team can get it done because it's not a, it's not a flashy KD Devin Booker type tandem. It's Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Like that's what it is. So like, and that tandem right now might be one of one of the best, if not the best tandem in the league. And it's self-evident in this championship run. And so like, the unassumingness of Nikola Jokic, I think, is what um, maybe hold, held people back from assuming that or thinking, you know, Denver could possibly make a title run. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely uh, think that has a part in it. Um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, you talk about Jamal Murray. I mean, Jamal Murray is a fantastic player. Obviously, we knew that before this playoff run. He proved that he is really special in this finals run. But it's a guy who's never made an all-star. He's never been an all-star. So, he doesn't get aggregated in those lists that everybody looks at and sees of the best players, right? Because that's how we rank players is accolades and this and that. Right. And so Jamal Murray just never gets looped in with the dames and the Stephs and the, all the great guards in the Western conference. Right. He's just sort of been underlooked, even though he's been a great player and this was a chance for him to prove himself. And he obviously did in this uh, extremely impressive. I think with Jokic, Mitch, um, one of my takeaways from this series and, and sort of maybe how this affects the NBA moving forward, I think Jokic is going to have a Shaq-esque effect on the NBA moving forward from this NBA Finals. And what I mean by that is if you remember back to the early 2000s when the Lakers three-peat was happening and the Shaq domination was happening, teams changed the way that they looked at their rosters and their lineups to work with competing against the unstoppable force that was Shaquille O'Neal. So what did you have to do? You had to have two big-ass guys that could afford to get six fouls a game, right? You had to have big bodies, and you had to have a bunch of them to throw at Shaq because you needed to play a war of attrition with him uh, to stop him. And I think in a different way, but having a similar effect, we're going to see that with Nikola Jokic, how dominant he is in the paint and how much that just opens everything else up for that team. Uh, If you want to compete in the West, frankly, and if you want to compete in the NBA, you got to look at that and say, we got to have big bodies to throw at him. We got to have guys that can uh, guard him and can, you know, that you're not throwing these uh, Max Struess or Kyle Lowry on him in these switches that you have big bodies all up on the court that can play with Jokic, that can play with the Jokic-Gordon-MPJ combination. I mean, that is a ton of size, a ton of length on the court at one time, and teams are going to have to adjust to that moving forward. So I think we'll see in this, starting with this offseason, a a considerable move from Western Conference contenders to reshape their rosters to combat with 
the force that is Nikola Jokic. And that's just a credit to how great of a player he is. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's a, like the first time in a while, a truly dominant big man. And so, you know, we're, we're going to probably see that move to that stop the big man type style yep. of roster. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, again, two-time MVP, wins the finals MVP in this one. Uh, I, I think this is always an interesting thing to uh, to cover. I have one little thought on this, and then I'll let you uh, sort of share your last thoughts on the finals. But, uh, you know, we look at sort of the great superstars and, and when they win that first ring. Uh, there's an age range, there's an age date that most people point to, and that's the age of 27. Most of the great superstars in NBA history won their first ring as the best player on a title team when they were 27 years old, right? MJ or Steph was 27 when he won his first NBA title. LeBron was 27. MJ was 28. Kevin Durant was 28. Moses Malone, Shaquille O'Neal, both 28. Uh, those are just a few names to point at. Nikola Jokic, 28 this year, wins his first NBA title. Uh, we just had Giannis Antetokounmpo a few years ago win it at tw- the age of 26, so a little bit earlier. So I just wanted to throw out, Mitch, a few names of guys that could potentially be the next to join this list, right? Who's the next great superstar to be the best player on a title team and join this sort of illustrious group? So I, I pulled some names. Uh, these are all players that were top 10 in MVP voting last season. And these are all players who do not have an NBA title. So uh, just I'm going to read some of these names. Give me your thoughts on what names stake stand out as the next guys to potentially accomplish this feat or join this list. Okay. And okay. I'm going to give you their ages as well. So uh, we'll start with the guys right in this range. So a uh, little young, but Luka Doncic, Don- Doncic is 25 in February. So maybe he's still a couple years away, but sort of we can start kind of thinking about him this age range. Jason Tatum turns 26 in March. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, 27 in September. Devin Booker, 27 in September. Joel Embiid, 30 in March. So maybe he's a little on the older side. Uh, I brought up two names in here I thought were kind of interesting because I didn't know which one to pick. If you consider these Sacramento Kings players, I don't know which one would be the best player on the team. Maybe that's debatable, but Sabonis is 28. De'Aaron Fox will turn 26. So if the Kings were to make a run, one of those guys, maybe potentially. Uh, And then on the older side, but in this uh, exercise, top 10 in voting, uh, Jimmy Butler will be 34 in September. Uh, And then Dame Lillard, he'll turn 33 in July. So uh, of those names, you know, in this sort of conversation, who do you think is that next great superstar to you know, lead to be the best uh, player on an NBA title team. I mean, Doncic is obviously enticing, but I don't have enough faith in in the Dallas front office if he stays in Dallas um, for them to actually put together a winner around him. Um, Jason Tatum would be the easy pick, I think, because Boston, I feel like right now of those names you named, that team is the closest to getting it done. Um. But I don't want to sleep on De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis either. I don't. Yep. I and I'm gonna and I'm gonna say De'Aaron Fox because I think Demontis Sabonis um, should get moved out of Sacramento. Ooh. I don't. I think he's more of a liability as far as okay. turnovers and deep. And um, when you talk about the swing of what the Western Conference is gonna have to do to stop guys like Nikola Jokic, Demontis yeah. Sabonis does not fit that role. He's an undersized big man, so they're going to have to address that position in a different way. So 
I wouldn't sleep on De'Aaron Fox either because I think that Kings team is really, really talented, even without Sabonis. Um, yeah. And I think they can upgrade at that position as well. So um, okay. those are kind of the three that stick out. And then, if, I mean, just to throw the last one, Don, or Devin Booker, that yeah. seems to have been so good for so long. Mm-hmm. You feel like it has to click at some point, but um, who knows if that's with KD there or not. So. Yeah, and that's and that's a good question too, and that's why I think this distinction is really important. Uh, best player on a finals team, right? Like Kobe won his first ring at like twenty one. He was not the best player on those Lakers teams, right? It was no. Shaq. Shaq was the best player on those teams. So you know you can't give Kobe. You know he doesn't really get the same sort of credit there. He had to earn it a little later on in his career when then he was the best player on those re- teams. Then he was in his you know, late 20s, right around the same age. So when we look at stars and you're like, ah, oh, you know, Tatum, wow, they haven't done it, or Booker, well, they haven't done it. Those are the two guys I look at because both those players have been to an NBA Finals and have fallen short already. So they've gotten there, they've gotten the taste, they've gotten the experience at a very young age, right, sub 25, and now as the years go by, they get older, they get better, then they lead that team to the championship, they get that. Those are the two. The one that I think I, I'm... I was really impressed what he did this year with his new team in Cleveland, but Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell is the one name that I've always felt D- Donovan has such so much D Wade in him. It's a, there's it's, it makes so much sense why him and D Wade are so close that they that they that he's been a mentor for him in the, in his time in the league, but. I think he could have a D Wade type run, right? Where D Wade had that one year in Miami. He was the best player on that Miami team. And that wasn't really like a stacked loaded Miami team, but they just sort of made that run and, and made it happen. And I think Donovan could have a season like that where he's good enough to lead uh, a team to the finals. He was sixth in MVP voting this year, averaged 28 points a game. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's just getting, you know, continuing to grow there and he's right in that age range. So I thought that was interesting as we look ahead because Jokic was sort of that next one after Giannis had checked it off. It's like, you know, two-time MVP, Jokic, you'll probably get it. Tatum, Doncic, you know, D-Book. So uh, just something to think about. I always love that. So, yeah, no, I love that. That was a great, that was a great little exercise there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Dallin, um, moving off of the NBA finals and one more time, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets for yes. getting their first Larry O'Brien trophy, bringing that to the mile high city. Let's get into some, uh, some other little bit of news going on around the world of sports. And let's start with, um, the Oakland Athletics, Dallin, a, a team that I love. I'm a fan of. It's no way to live your life, but it's what <laughs> I'm stuck with. Um, obviously they they're they're go- they're leaving Oakland, right? That right. looks like that. Actually, the city of Las Vegas has just approved a 300 million dollar deal to build a stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, this was just last in the last couple of days. Um, Oakland fans clearly upset right because the team has been so poorly managed over the last few years um really since their last playoff run and um the the disputes with the city of oakland on whether they're getting a new stadium or not and their refusal to allocate any sort of resources towards that lots of frustration there A's fans are fed up and they're fed up with the owner john fisher and so they uh they hosted a reverse boycott where instead of not coming to games, 27,000 fans attended Tuesday's game and held a, mo- a moment of silence during the middle of the fifth inning. Um, batter came up, dead silence as a ball was ripped down the left field line, double. After that ball was fielded, instantly 
fans started chanting, sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. And I'm telling you right now, Dallin, as an A's fan, and I think as a sports fan, you don't even have to be a fan of the A's. You can sympathize with A's fans and agree with them on this. John Fisher needs to sell the team. It needs new management. It's it's poorly run. He has absolutely run this team into the ground. I don't think moving to Las Vegas makes any sort of difference at this point because it just from top to bottom organizationally, it is a disaster. Um, A's fans have all the right in the world to be upset and they have all the right in the world to feel frustrated. Um, I know I'm one of them. So th- th- this was, uh, this was something that I applaud A's fans for. I love it. Um, I just wish that they weren't getting all that attendance money. You know, that John Fisher wasn't raking (laughs) in all that attendance money because, you know, they they need a change at the top. And it starts with John Fisher, but he's so stubborn and it's and it's very apparent in the way that he manages his money, the way that they've you know, their salary cap has been for decades. Um, It's just it it's a it's a mess in Oakland. It is a mess in Oakland. And honestly, as much as I'll miss having the availability to go to A's games. I'm glad they're moving to Las Vegas because at least it might be a fresh start and we might get a change of sale here for the Oakland A's. Yeah. I mean, I, I applaud A's fans and those, uh, you know, that participated in this because I mean, I think this is just like a really cool thing for fans to say, you know, just remind everybody out there because the narrative, you know, and, and I'm sure that A's ownership has tried to spin this narrative and, and a lot of the media have picked up this narrative that, you know, you look at the attendance numbers this year at A's games and you say, see, this is why they're moving to Vegas, right? See, only 3,000 people show up to games. This is why they have to move to Vegas. That's not the case. Anyone who knows the Oakland A's and knows the situation knows that's not the case. It's the ownership. It's it's the poor ownership and how all of that is factored into this situation that they're in now. And I love that A's fans took this moment to remind people and say, hold on, just as a reminder, this is not us. All right. No. If we are here, we would love to be here. We would love to support a great franchise, but we can't because this is not. But so we're just going to remind everyone that this is not our fault that this team is moving to Las Vegas. And they made that statement very clear in my mind. And I think it's a good reminder because, you know, again, this is not because of just lack of fan interest. This is no. a poor management that has run fans away from the team and made them disinterested in the product that he's given them. Uh, it, it for people that don't know, and for people that have bought into that narrative, A's fans are just as rabid as any other fan base in, in in the country, regardless of sport. I mean, if you've ever been to an A's game when they're, you know, ninety and fifty five, and they're winning and things are good, that is a raucous crowd. I mean, rowdy crowd. You know, you had the headbangers over in right field; they're headbanging. They're raging when Grant Balfour would come in to close a game. They're punching the air. Like, this is a rowdy, rowdy crowd. Raucous. They just, they, they're fed up. They're fed up, and that's why the attendance was down. And I'm and like you said, I'm glad that they did this to remind everyone, no, we're still here. We're just pissed off at what's going on up top. So, yep. um, good on A's fans. Good on A's yep. fans. And I stand with them. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh Mitch, uh, a little bit of news here. This is, uh, you know, we don't talk much soccer 
on this uh, on this podcast. And Mitch arguably begrudgingly uh, humors me by talking soccer when we do like the World Cup this past year, which was so much fun. Loved the World Cup. Speaking of the World Cup, World Cup champion, uh, you know, arguably the greatest soccer player of all time. If you ask certain people, uh, Messi, Lionel Messi, the Argentinian, uh, his time was ending with Paris St. Germain. Uh, and he was looking for a new destination. He had reportedly received a uh, multi, a one billion dollar deal to join a Saudi Arabian soccer team. Uh, but he decided to take his talents to the good old United States of America. Mitch, he is coming to the MLS and he's joining Inter Miami uh, this season, probably in July, August. That's when he's anticipated to join the club. Uh, Listen, Inter Miami is in last place in the Eastern Conference standings of the MLS. Like this, he's not joining this team because it's like a good team. He's joining it because it's in Miami, and Messi is thinking to himself, "Where would I like to live for the next, you know, four to five years as I end my career?" Oh, Miami. Okay, that sounds great. Uh, Mitch, Messi, the greatest player of all time, is coming to America. Does on a scale of one to 10, how much more interested are you in the MLS and American soccer now? Point oh one. I mean, what? okay. Well, we no. Okay, actually, okay. Let me, be, let me be. Let me be. Let me. Let me be. <laughs> it's messy. Mitch. Okay. Look, Come on. Okay. No, okay. So let, let let me just be honest here. I have zero interest in soccer. I do. Sure. I think it's incredibly boring to watch, and it's only because I have. It's only because I have no idea what the hell's going on. Okay. I'm sure for soccer fans, when you know what's going on, it's the most exciting thing in the world. Chasing a ball around a, a, a field larger than a football field. And they're just chasing around and kicking it to each other. And then, the you know, you might wind up with a 0-0 score at the end of it. And they're going, wow, what a game. That was such a great game. No one scored. No one scored. What do you mean a great game? So, look. I get that soccer fans are probably really excited about it. For me to be genuinely honest. Yeah. It's exciting that you mm-hmm. get the world's best soccer player to show up in an American sanctioned league. It's yeah. awesome. I really don't care. I really don't care. Um, but <coughs> pardon me. Great for Messi. Um, I'm excited that we have him here. This has to be one of the biggest addings since what probably David Beckham yeah. to bring over here. So it, it is, um, it's a very David Beckham esque move. And I think maybe that one in hindsight was bigger just because the MLS was so not what it is today. And it's obviously on the scale. It's still not comparative to the other major sports leagues that we have. But I mean, yeah. 20 years ago, the MLS like, didn't, I mean, like 20 teams. So the fact that David Beckham was going to play in the United States is like, wow. But I mean, Messi is, like a next level of player. He is the best soccer player in the world. So it is pretty significant, obviously for major sports as a whole and what it means for the eyes on soccer. And we'll see what sort of effect does that mean? Do other superstars join and say, Hey, Messi's over there. Oh, shoot. Well, I'll go play for LA. I'll go play. You know, that could, you know, we'll see what sort of effect maybe it could have on the future growth. Maybe Messi makes me, dabble okay dabble okay in soccer you'll think about it now i'll think about it because like i think i mean bit. 
Look, but when David Beckham came in, I remember us as kids when David Beckham, it was like a big right. deal. It was like, dude, Beckham's here. Oh my god, exactly. And yeah. like they they had other big names. They had what Zotlon came over here. Mm-hmm. Um, a few Do you years remember ago, Freddie Adu, Freddie like Adu, sixteen year old. He was or like he was like fifteen when he joined yeah. the MLS. It was like, what is this? That was. I think yeah. Wayne Rooney came over at uh-huh. one point. Yeah. Um. So like, like there's there's names and may- maybe Messi will make me dabble but like i just i'm not a soccer guy yeah but maybe Messi's it'll spark it my you. interest enough to just okay. tune in and give it a give it a try okay I love give it. it a try all right we'll see if Messi can convert mitch to soccer as he now uh will join uh the mls here oh uh, boy i don't know <laughs> we'll see we'll see i don't know i just mm. soccer it's like trying that one food you know you won't like and everyone keeps like, telling you you'll really like it you you'll love it you'll me, love you it try it one more time try it one more time and i promise and you're just like you're <laughs> hesitant but you know you will oh, man. hilarious yeah 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 all right dallin so fo- uh, so yeah Messi joins the mls um but we got to move over to the pga really quick the pga and live golf have reached a merger agreement um basically what this is going to do um is that the PGA uh and Live Golf will uh merge to be a pri- uh, majority owned league by the PGA. They will be the majority owner in this. Um the PIF which is the um Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, they current own currently own about 90% of Live Golf. Um they will be the minority stakeholders um in this entity. Um, obviously there is a lot of, uh, a lot of controversy behind this merger that I think, uh, politically we should just stay out of, um, because there's, there's going to be a lot of different takes on that. But I think that as a whole, Dallin, um, I felt like this was coming at some point. I felt like this was coming at some point. It felt like two golf leagues just wasn't going to work that they were going, there was going to have, one was going to have to give at some point. I was looking at the numbers. I I think that live made absolutely zero money, like generated zero revenue in Mm -hmm. 2022. So it was a kind of a losing venture at that point, especially when you think about how much money they shelled over just to bring the big names. Um, So this was going to happen at some point. Um, Dallin, what is your takeaway from this, from this? Do we kind of move past it? Just continue to look at it as the PGA as it used to be. Or is there going to be some sort of stain now on this legacy of the league uh, that, you know, they merged with it with a rival league? Yeah, well, I think this changes a lot. I think first off, I um, I think this pretty much sums up my my feelings. Mitch. It's kind of like uh, watching your mother-in-law go off a cliff in the Cadillac. <laughs> you know, you got mixed feelings. That is exactly right. I've got yeah. mixed feelings about this, Mitch, because obviously for the game of golf, the uniting back the game of golf is a win. All right. Like just at the end right. of the day, take everything aside, uniting the best players in the world again on one tour is a win because ultimately that's where we want all the best players is competing against each other. So right. The rest of the mixed feelings come with everything else surrounding this. And I think it's important for people yeah. to, to sort of understand in this, that this deal is not a PGA live deal. It is a PGA PIF deal. This is a deal with the PGA tour, the DP world tour and the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. And this gives that 
which is the investor into Live Golf and essentially merges these entities into what will become a new organization. They're very vague about what this will actually mean in the future. There's no clear indication. It's just a new organization combining, you know, the elements of Live Golf with what we know today. The PGA Tour, from what I understand, what I've gathered from listening to people talk about this is the PGA Tour, as we know it, will remain largely the same. My guess is that the DP World Tour and or Live Golf will merge into some sort of secondary entity with a team element, with more exciting sort of stuff, with more of the loose rules and the vibes of Live, but merging alongside PGA. And that tour is going to have... Uh, the backing of the PIF and they have like final say on who else gets to invest in this venture. Like PGA gave Saudi Arabia basically carte blanche on the direction of this new golf league organization, uh, which is quite fascinating in this. Uh, what this means for live golf, live golf as we know it is dead. What it will become in the future. Will they even use that name and moniker in the future? We don't know. Uh, the fact that all of this was done without informing any players from either tour or league is insane. Uh, and it's all just a lot of still like, what does this actually mean? Uh, this changes everything for what we know about golf. But how is still TBD really at this point? All we know is that the drama is over. These entities will merge. And somehow, I guess we'll get back to hunky dory. I don't know. Like, how is Rory and Phil get back, get, get along again? Like, I like, you know, the PGA asked these guys to stick their necks out, these PGA tour players to stick their necks out, you know, against the live golf and, and, and sort of, you know, uh, take this defensive stance. And then they backslid them on this deal and said, sorry, that's the, that's the biggest problem I have with this is yeah. they, they asked their stars to stick their necks out and, and you know defend pga and mm -hmm. then they go it's like it's like literally they they just swept them you know swept their feet out from underneath yep. them and said yep screw you we're actually gonna merge with them and it's you know rory was the biggest advocate for that and right. now he the poor guy is getting a cut catching a lot of flack for it and he shouldn't because he was doing what he was asked to do and he was doing probably what he should have been doing and the league that asked him to do it didn't back him up in the end of it so um, this is just, yeah, th that's the, that's the problem I have with this yep. is it, it looks like the PGA, it made the PGA look like they have no loyalty towards its players. Yeah. It, and yeah. Frank, yeah. And frankly, they don't based on the deal that they've made, you know, no. uh, and that's, uh, that's the shame in it. So again, mixed feelings because yes, the best golfers in the world will probably be back together playing in all the tournaments and, uh, the increased purses and the more flexibility, all those positive changes that came from this will still exist. And those are good, but there's just a lot of negative with how this played out and what this maybe means for the future that we'll still, uh, figure out. So, yeah. uh, TBD on that, but fascinating did not see this coming as quickly as it did. You know, you knew that eventually, you know, it th wouldn't last forever, but I didn't expect after two years would they, we'd already have a deal and be done with it. So I right. thought that was pretty surprising. Yeah, uh, that Mitch, definitely happened faster than I thought it would. So that's for sure. So for sure, for sure. Mitch, the last little bit of news we want to talk about. We talked about hockey all year in the weekly Kraken update. So we would uh, be remiss if we didn't mention uh, that the Vegas Golden Knights won this year's Stanley Cup. They defeated the Florida Panthers last night. It was like nine to three in the closeout game, game five in Las Vegas. Uh, 
a uh, stoner had the hat trick in the game and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights defeated the Panthers, the Florida Panthers in five games to take home their first Stanley Cup in just their sixth year of uh, existence as an NHL franchise, which that stat is crazy. You hear that, Mitch. But then get this. They're like the seventh NHL franchise to do it in six years or less. This is like a really common thing in the NHL for franchise teams to win a, uh, a Stanley Cup in their first six years. There's seven different NHL franchise expansion franchises that have done that. So when I saw that set, I was just like, well, hey, we're good in Seattle. I, I, hey. <laughs> I mean, if Vegas could do it, if six other teams could do it, like why can't the Kraken do it? So I'm, I'm feeling very confident that, you know, we're heading in a good direction in Seattle and uh, maybe this could be us in a couple years. But congrats to Vegas. They had a hell of a run. Well, and I think the I think the NHL has the expansion draft down pretty darn good. They like, oh so well, they do, they do so a well. really good job at making sure you're not going to bring a new franchise in, and they're going to be a 15 win team for the next five years. They're not going to yeah. be the Charlotte Bobcats, right? They won't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they they have that down pretty darn good. Seattle, obviously, we just saw this year a beneficiary of that Golden uh, Golden Knights a beneficiary of that. So um, the, the NHL does a really good job of bringing in expansion teams and not setting them up for complete and total, total failure. So, um, uh, but that stat is actually really wide open, you know, eye opening that they, there's been so many teams that have been able to do that. Um, yeah. Vegas, much like Denver did in the NBA finals played like they were the best team. I mean, they blew yep. The Panthers out in three of these games, five, two in game one, seven, two in game two, nine, three in game five. And it was just, it was utter domination from the, from the word go from the golden Knights, um, Vegas, a, a, an expansion team we thought was going to win a, a title there. in their first was their first yeah, year, very first year they went to the Stanley cup finals. So, um, you know, glad that they finally got their, their, their Stanley cup, Lord Stanley's cup. <laughs> and uh, um, good, good for the Vegas Knights, man. Yeah, good for them, absolutely, and a great run to the Florida Panthers too. I, I love the symmetry between these uh, the uh, NHL uh, championship and the NBA championship. Right, you had these number one seed dominant offenses, teams making their first, trying to win their first title, right in Denver, in Vegas, and then on the other side, two Florida eight seeds that like shocked everyone by making a run to the title, and you wow, were like, oh, that's true, the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat, and you're like, oh, are they going to do it? And then both of them just ran out of steam uh, in that final round, you know, and ran into a buzzsaw. But uh, yeah, you know, hockey, we've we've loved as the official uh, podcast of the Seattle Kraken, we've loved uh, covering the NHL season and obviously specifically Seattle and their playoff run. And we'll look forward to talking about it again as it starts up and may. And again, hey, I'm feeling confident now, you know, could be us in a couple of years talking about a Stanley Cup. Yeah, it could be. It could be us. Why not Love us? It. Why not us? That's Love right. it. <laughs> All righty, Mitch. You've uh, that's it for our news. You've got a top five for the folks this week. I do have a top five, Dallin. And it's a, good uh, day. it's a good day when we got a top five. It's a great day. It, every day is <laughs> a good day, Dallin. You only get three hundred and sixty-five of these a year. No sense in having a bad one. So right. But you know what? So right. The day gets a little bit better when we got a top five. So we're gonna have a top five this week and uh you know 
Dallin, the NFL season is approaching, and we've been having a lot of quarterback talk. We just tiered our quarterbacks a couple weeks ago. That we did. And by the way, if uh, you didn't catch that or want to rewatch that, you can watch that full video uh, with uh, our segment here on the YouTube channel. That's uh, right. At, at youtube.com slash the sports hour, guys. So go there. You can check out full segments of the show uh, after we record if you miss anything. Absolutely. Make sure to go check that out, guys. Um, but Dallin, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time conversation is something that's always going to happen. It's never going to go away. It's always going to be speculative. Eventually, someone's going to challenge Tom Brady, right? There's going to be someone eventually. We may not be around to see him, but, you know, someone will be there eventually. But I think what's interesting is that there's a lot of quarterbacks that go flying under the radar that we don't talk about that might have been the best for the decade. Like they're given era mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone wants to classify goats. A lot of people want to classify goats by era. So Dallin, on this week's edition of Mitch Moe's top five list of the week, we're going to start in the 1960s and get groovy, baby, because we are going with the greatest quarterbacks of the 1960s. Okay. And we're going to move. It. We're going to move our way through the decades as we get close to the NFL season, but we're going to start in the sixties and uh, yeah, it's going to be groovy, baby, groovy, baby, a little decade rankings of the quarterbacks. I like this. I like this. This is, this is good because, and I think specifically with the, with the NFL and the way the game evolved, especially the quarterback position, this is kind of the right way to look at it is, is in eras because you know, guys weren't asked to pass the same way, you know, in, in 10, 20 year spans, things change so quickly that it's hard to compare these guys, you know, in, in all these different eras. So I love that you're doing this. I will say, you know, I could sit. Yeah, exactly. And I could sit here and say, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. My great grandfather would probably sit there and say, you know, slinging Sammy ball was the greatest quarterback right. of all time. <laughs> it's completely different. So, um, yeah, so we're going to start in the 1960s, Dallas. Some honorable mentions really quick. Don Meredith of the Dallas Cowboys, um, a 47-32 quarterback record, um, 135 touchdowns, 111 interceptions during his um, time during the 60s. Also a three-time pro bowler. Um, also want to throw out a name, though, that I think that a lot of people won't know is Roman Gabriel of the Los Angeles Rams. A 51 and 24 record, 109 touchdowns, 75 interceptions, a one time MVP, and a three time Pro Bowl, and a one time All Pro wow. during the 60s. Um, a very for, you know, underrated and forgotten quarterback, but just misses the top five for me. Um, I do love Roman Gabriel, um, but he's going to miss the top five for me because the 60s, quite honestly, were stacked. So. Let's hey. get right into it, Dallin. Number five on the list, we're going to go with Sonny Jurgensen yeah. of the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Redskins. A losing record as a quarterback, 49 and 60, but the guy was an absolute slinger. 207 touchdowns, 154 interceptions, and 82.4 quarterback rating, over 26,000 yards passing, five time Pro Bowler, and a one time All Pro. Um, he was known for having the beer gut a little bit. He was kind of that first, like, kind of bigger, heavier set quarterback type, um, kind of a pure pocket guy, but had like weird athleticism where, like, he can get outside of the pocket and do something, make something happen. Um, 
Also a trick thrower, too. We saw on multiple occasions during his career him complete a pass behind his back. Ooh. So um, Mahomes before Mahomes, huh? Mahomes before <laughs> Mahomes was Sonny Jurgensen. <laughs> well, it kind of um, sounds like Big Ben to me. You were mentioning a big guy with the sneaky, and he was, you know, yeah, and the sneaky athletic. Whereas like Ben, it's like he was so big, but then it was like, how did he get out of that tackle and boom, he uh, make a move and. Yeah, I love that. That's perfect. That's the perfect comp is he's Big Ben of the 60s. That's Great. exactly okay. it. Um, so Sonny Jurgensen getting the nod at number five on the list. By the way, I love the fact that these all these quarterbacks are wearing the two-bar or one-bar helmets. Oh, yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, uh, awesome look. Yeah, awesome back when look. you didn't need teeth, you know? Exactly, <laughs> knock, right? Knock those suckers out. Exactly. <laughs> uh, number four on the list, I'm going with Fran Tarkenton. Fran Tarkenton of the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants. Um, Again, a quarterback with a losing record, 47 to 68, 186 touchdowns, 134 interceptions, 81 uh, quarterback rating. But here's the kicker, 2,672 rushing yards and 20 touchdowns in the 60s. He was the original scrambler. Um, This guy was, um, he kind of, invented the scrambling quarterback prototype um a much better arm than a lot of people will remember him for legacy wise you know you could think that you know well he doesn't have he doesn't have the wins he doesn't have the super bowl you know have this have have that but he made the reputation of the scrambling quarterback what it is today and how much that athleticism is valued so he has the numbers he has the legacy of creating, basically creating a prototype. And so that's why he gets number four on my list. Absolutely. That's yeah, a great entry. Yeah. I mean, when you think of like, you know, Fran Tarkenton, who preceded the Steve Youngs, who preceded the Michael Fix and all. And you know, obviously what we know today at that position, it's like, yeah, that's that's where the roots go back to is, is Fran Tarkenton. Love that. Love it. Yeah. Uh, number three on the list. I'm going to go with Bart Starr. Bart Starr, number three on the list. The the wins the win loss record is impressive eighty one and thirty two right wow. he was on those Packers teams that won a yep. ton under Vince Lombardi <laughs> um, completed fifty nine percent of his passes one hundred twenty five touchdowns ninety interceptions <laughs> just over nineteen thousand yards passing and an eighty seven point seven quarterback rating five time NFL champion two time Super Bowl champion. Two-time Super Bowl MVP, one-time MVP, four-time Pro Bowler. Sounds like he should be number one, right? <laughs> yeah. He I have a good case. But you have to take into account of what everything else was going on around him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had the incredible backfield led by Paul Horning. Um, you had the great defense led by Ray Nitschke. You had the great one of the greatest coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi. The Lombardi Trophy's namesake was on the sideline <laughs> during that time. Um, and you know what? The Packers just they just had great teams around Bart Starr, and Bart Starr was the perfect quarterback for that team um, and succeeded in it. So I'm going to put him number three on the list. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I listen. I I'm. You'll justify it depending on who you put one and two, right? So I guess we got to wait to see who you got up at the top. I will. Yeah, I think I, I think I will. Maybe. Um, we'll see. <laughs> uh, number two on the list, I have Len Dawson. Lenny Dawson, 
Mm. Uh, rest in peace. Just recently yeah. passed away this last year. Uh, 66 and 32 career record. Uh, just over 19,000 yards passing. 183 touchdowns. 120 interceptions. 87.2 quarterback rating. One-time Super Bowl champion. One-time Super Bowl MVP. Six-time Pro Bowler. Two-time All-Pro. Um, probably the most prolific passer of the air of the era behind you know behind Sonny Jurgensen when you look at the touchdown numbers right he was right up there with him as one of the most prolific passers um ran that Hank Stram offense keep matriculating the ball down the field there's mm-hmm. that famous that that famous uh clip from NFL films uh Lenny Dawson was just uh, uh, you know it, uh, other than the guy at number one on the list, unmatched, unmatched. And he was ha- he was the cool quarterback, man. He had swag. He was smoking cigarettes on the sideline, drinking a beer on the sideline. You know, he was he was cool, old school cool on the sideline was Lenny Dawson. Get, get, get Put him number two on my list. Okay, I like it. I like it. Well, there better be a good name at number one, huh? Well, number one is, I think, an easy one for me, and that's Johnny U, Johnny Unitas. Um, 60, or 76 and... 39 as a uh, as a quarterback, 55% completion rating, over 26,000 yards passing, 182 touchdowns, 165 interceptions, 79 rating, two-time MVP, seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. Um, it just doesn't get any better than Johnny Unitas. This guy was the the prototypical. He, he created the prototype of the quarterback. Um, and when you have the success that he did under center, um, it's hard to not put him at number one. Uh, this was also a guy too, that wasn't playing football really before that, you know, before the sixties even started, he was a construction worker. He wasn't, he was deemed not good enough. <laughs> Went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, got a tryout, made the Steelers, got traded over to the Colts and became Johnny U with the Baltimore Colts. So, um, Johnny Unitas is not only one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in my book. Um, but definitely the greatest quarterback in the 60s. Yeah, I, I agree with you at number one. I think it should be Johnny Unitas. It's no surprise, Mitch, you did select him in our top five draft from a couple months back of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He did make your five. So again, I love Johnny no, Unitas. <laughs> no surprise that he's at the top, but I think you're right. Absolutely. Uh, he is the most iconic of any of those names that you have already mentioned. And there are some very iconic names on that list, but Johnny Unitas is... Uh, the best of them all, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I I know that there's one omission on this list, um, and I'm going to make the case for it right now. Um, there's a reason Joe Namath was not even an honorable mention. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna ask about that because I was th- sitting here thinking I think I didn't hear that name, but I, yeah, let's hear it. It's because Joe Namath is the most overrated quarterback of all time. Not even close. <laughs> Oh, Mitch, I agree with you. I love that. I I really do. He had he one has cool. Thing, he had one moment. He, he had one Joe moment. Flacco. He's just Joe Flacco. Tell me I'm wrong. He's just Joe Flacco. He had like one good year, makes a yeah. run, and now we're like, you know, I it don't wasn't know. even a good year though. He had one moment. He sold his soul to the devil for a Super Bowl <laughs> win, guaranteed the Super Bowl win, and that was it. That was the it. The o- guy wasn't a good. He was average yeah. at best. Like, and the only reason why he's even as iconic as he is now is because the Jets haven't done shit since they, they've they've been to the Super Bowl since. It's like that's the last 
good thing that happened in that franchise's history. So yeah, well, that's what immortalized, that's, you know, that's like in the, like I, yeah. I know across NFL circles, like that's thought of as like a curse, the Joe Namath right. curse. Yeah. They, he sold his soul to the devil for them to win as an NFL champion, a uh, uh, Super Bowl, And then basically that was it. Like Joe got his title, but like, screw the jets. There's they're there's cursed now. It's, it's a thing. Oh, man. Yeah. I love it. All righty, Mitch. Let's uh, how about you read back your top five for the folks? Yeah. So number five on the list is Sonny Jurgensen. Number four, Fran Tarkenton. Number three, Bart Starr. Number two, Lenny Dawson. Number one, Johnny Unitas. Love it. Love it. All righty. Uh, Mitch Moe's top five list of the week. So I guess we should expect next time we come up the, the 70s. The best 70s quarterbacks will of the be 70s. It. That's okay. right. I'm excited for this little uh, this little summer series. You know, last year, if you remember, if you were listening to the podcast last year, last summer, Mitch was uh, gifting us with your top five of each NFL position of all time, right? Your top five. I remember the kickers and punter list. You, you, we had all kinds of different positions. I like uh, I like where we're going on this little summer series of the best quarterbacks by decade. You'll love to see all it. Right. Well, yeah, I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a ton For of fun. For sure. All righty. Well, that is, uh, that's going to do it for the first half of the podcast here. We're going to take a quick break and hit a mid-roll. And on the other side of this quick break, we will do a resume check. Going to get a who the hell is that in. And then uh, to wrap up the podcast, our sports hour draft this week of the best nicknames in sports. That's going to be a fun one, folks. You're not going to want to miss that. So uh, stick around and we'll be right back.
in. That smooth music, Dallin. Smooth <laughs> music. Thanks for sticking around through the break. Second half of the sports hour coming up right now. We got some resume check. We got a little who the hell is that? And then, Dallin, you and I have a very special draft of the best nicknames in sports. Going to be a good second half. Let's get in to the meat and bones of it. Let's get into the resume check, Dallin. All right. Uh, I am excited for this one this week. Uh, The resume check to remind you at home as you uh, follow along, as you listen along on the podcast feed. And if you're listening uh, from the future, hello. Uh, Thanks for being here. Uh, If you're watching live tonight, uh, you know, what's up? Say hello. Uh, You know, if you have any guesses as we're going, you know, throw them in the chat. Mitch won't look at the comments. He's not going to take hints, Uh. but... But throw throw your comments in there if you if you have an inkling of uh, who this may be. But uh, the resume check, uh, we're going to give Mitch the resume of a championship team, and he's going to have to get, he's going to have three guesses to guess which uh, championship team we're looking for. He'll get a couple extra hints after he gives us a couple guesses. But that's uh, what we're looking at today in the resume check. And Mitch, in honor of the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA title, we're going to go to the NBA this week. Alrighty. Okay. So we're looking for an NBA champion in the resume check this week. So we'll start off with the hints, and then we'll hear a guest from Mitch. These are your uh, these are your clues today for the resume check. First off, uh, this team won a league-high 65 wins in the regular season and was led by that year's MVP. They lost just one playoff game en route to their championship and defeated the defending NBA champions in the finals that season. The team had three future Hall of Fame players on the roster, four All-Stars during their championship season, and two defensive first-team players. Those are the three hints Mitch has. We'll hear a guess. We'll give him another hint, try to help him out here, but that's what we've got for the resume check. Well, you gave me a hint earlier too. I think unwittingly, when or we maybe about... wittingly, or maybe wittingly, maybe, maybe it was wittingly. like if you're paying attention, you'll you'll you know store that away and remember that. So, it's, so it's like I know you're it's paying attention. I was paying attention. Um, <laughs> I think it's one of those Spurs teams, but I I can't remember the year. Um. Crap. What year would that be? I'm going to go with the 06-07 Spurs. Okay, Mitch's first guess, the 2006-2007 San Antonio Spurs. It is incorrect, but a good first guess. On the board, Mitch, your next hint uh, in between your next guess here. This team was one of four teams to win an NBA title during their decade. During the decade in which this team won the title, they were one of four, just four NBA teams to win a title during that decade. Mm. So you might want to, you, it's okay to simmer on that one a bit is you got to kind of like file through the decades and do some math, you know, and stuff, but yeah. See, and if there's a if there's a league where league champions, I'm I'm 
foggier on, it's NBA. I'm usually pretty decent, but I'm that's right. where I'm that's where my weak spot is. I still think it's one of those Spurs teams. Watch it not be though. Watch it not be. Now the Warriors had a really hot run there for a minute. I'm going to go with the 2015, 20, no, hold up. Mm, no, is that the right year? That's the right year. Oh, fuck. I confuse these. I, I confuse these two years all the time. <laughs> yes, that's pre KD. So 2015, 2016 Golden State Warriors. Okay. Mitch's guess is the 2015, 2016 Golden State Warriors. It is incorrect. Uh, the Warriors did not win the championship in 2016. That was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ah, oh, fuck. Uh, I did but, fuck up uh, the year. Damn it. Ah, but that's that's all right. Uh, Midge, your final hint here. And I'm going to run through all of our hints one more time before I read you this final one. We've got two guesses so far on the resume check. Uh, these are the uh, the hints for Mitch today. This team uh, won a league high 65 games in the regular season led by that year's MVP. Mitch, uh, one of your extra hints. This is this was this MVP's first season with this team. It was the MVP's first season with this team. This team lost just one playoff game en route to their NBA title and defeated the defending NBA champs in the finals that year. There were three future Hall of Fame players on the roster, four All-Stars during the championship season, and two defensive first-team players. The extra hint that we've received so far, what this was one of four teams to win an NBA championship during their decade. Mitch, this was this championship year was this team's most recent NBA title. And I'll give throw in a little extra hint there. Uh, this team has not won a title uh, since before the year 2000. So just to kind of narrow the range a little bit there. They have not won a title since before the year 2000? Looking for. And that was before the year 2000. Yes. So this title took place before 2000. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. I was just deciding. You're good. Yeah. No. Um, Oh, boy. We've had what the first we have. Oh, we've had 06, 07 San Antonio. We've had 15, 16 Golden State. Those are the guesses. Mitch has got one more guess on the resume check. Oh, my gosh. Um, before 2000. This is testing the the length of Mitch's NBA knowledge. I knew this was going to be a challenging one for you. Obviously, you've got MLB on lock. I feel like I can't even do that one. I'm just okay. like, Mitch is going to get these. So I'm thinking of, okay, maybe. I'm Okay, so. Okay, I'm going to go before 2000. So Lakers, Pistons, Bulls, Pacers. Pacers never won a title like those. Oh, ooh. 
one of four teams that win in the decade. Yes. So that would have been, if it was the 90s, that would have been... He's doing Pist- the math. That would have been Pistons, Bulls, mm-hmm. Lakers, mm-hmm. Rockets. Mm-hmm. The Bulls won three straight. They never lost. Lakers were like 99, so that wouldn't have... They didn't beat the Bulls. We're seeing the process. If you're not watching this live, you are missing out because you can see the wheels turning in Mitch's head as we're doing this. He's Lady. mathing. He's mathing. The Carry 1990 the 1990 Detroit Pistons. Final answer. Final answer. Mitch's guess, the 8990 Detroit Pistons. It is incorrect. It's a great it's a great guess, though. Ugh. You were you were heading in the right direction. You you exerted all that effort. You Ugh. came up short. Uh. It was a great try, my friend. You wanted to just go a decade further. We were looking at the 80s, Mitch. Let's go through the teams that won in the 80s, right? Obviously, the Boston Celtics, the Los Lakers. Angeles Lakers, the Detroit Pistons. And who else is in that mix? That would the have been Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers. We are looking for the 82 83. That's a Moses Malone team. Uh, that's a Moses team. That year's MVP, Moses Malone, his third MVP uh, and his first with Philadelphia. They lost only one damn. playoff game that damn. whole season. They swept the defending champion Lakers in the finals. The only, they lost one game to the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference finals. Uh, Moses Malone, Dr. J, Julius Irving, and Maurice Cheeks the three future Hall of Famers on this roster. All three of those were all-stars that year alongside Andrew Tony, Malone and Cheeks were also the two first-team uh, defensive players uh, on the roster. And, uh, yeah, that was obviously the Sixers' last NBA championship, 1983. It's been 40 years since Philly has won an, an NBA title. So, Sheesh. That, that was a tough one. I'm not going to lie. That was a challenge. Yeah. I gave you a challenge today, and you were you were getting there at the end. You were figuring it out. And you, oh, man, the Detroit was a great guess. Detroit was a great guess. Damn, yeah, no, great, great one. I love I love the ones that really test me, so that was yeah. fantastic. I love that. Love that, awesome. love that. Oh, boy. Well done. Well done. Good try. That was a good okay. try. Oh, thanks, man. Well done by you. Great, great question. Great <laughs> resume check. Uh, Dallin, let's get into a little, who the hell is that? All right. So for the re- reminder for the listeners at home who maybe are new to this one, who the hell is that? I'm going to give Dallin a career path of a player that is going to be all I give him to start. From there, he is going to have three hints afterwards to decipher who the player is. Dallin, are you ready? I think so. Okay. This player from the NBA had this career path. Kevin. Golden State, Washington, Orlando, Memphis. Golden State, Washington, Orlando, Memphis. Hmm. Okay. Golden State, Washington, 
Orlando, Memphis. I'm going to throw a guess out there. I don't feel great about this, but I do want to throw something. So I'm going to say David Lee. A good guess. Not David Lee. Okay. All right. So this second round draft pick of the 2001 draft had his career year in excuse me let me double check this yeah had his career year in 2005 2006 with the slash line of Man. Okay. Golden State, Washington, Orlando, Memphis. 29, 6, and like 3. Is that what you said? That's got to yep. be a guard or a forward of some sort is what I'm thinking. Who was drafted in the second round by Golden State. Uh, I don't feel great about this guess, but Baron Davis? Good guess. Not Baron Davis. Yeah. Um, not Baron Davis. So I feel like hit- he played for the Hornets at some point. I I think I'm wrong. I, I yeah. yeah. Here's hint number two, Dallin. Yeah. This three-time All Star was known by the nicknames of Agent Zero and the Hibachi. <laughs> the Hibachi. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. I've got it now. The the agent zero has given this to me. And now I'm kind of like asking myself, I don't think I knew this guy started his career in Golden State. I don't think I knew that uh, Gilbert Arenas started his career in Golden State. It's Gilbert Arenas, isn't it? It is Gilbert Arenas. It is Gilbert oh, Arenas. Wow. Well done. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize. Yeah, he had started his uh, his career. There. That was that's that was that was holding me up. But. That makes sense that 0506 year would have been when he was with the Wizards. And I mean, he was uh he was a bucket. He <laughs> when was he was in his bucket. prime, he was a bucket. Yeah, three-time all-star from 04 through 07. Um also a three-time all NBA player. Um the the guy was a score first point guard. Um, also known for having a little bit of a temper, not necessarily a great team guy, mm-hmm. um, but could go out in his prime and get you buckets when he needed to. And uh, was one of the great scoring point guards of that short era. So yeah, Gilbert arenas. Well done, Dallin. I love it. Thanks. That's, that's a good one. That's a, what was, did you have another hint? Did we have one more? Or was that, that was it. I'm trying to, remember. um, so my, yeah, my third, my third mention was going to be this three time all NBA player was known for having a short temper. So <laughs> There we go. Yeah, I like it. If Agent Zero didn't give that to you off the bat, I figured yeah. the temper plus the Agent Zero might do right. it. So, but I yeah, like it. well done. Gilbert Arenas. All righty. Love it. Who the hell is that? The resume check. Uh, we love those segments. Those have been uh, a fun addition to the podcast, as has been uh, our Sports Hour draft. Mitch, I've enjoyed doing these at the at the end of these podcasts for the, uh, for the last couple months, and uh, I'm very excited for the one we've got today. Yes, very excited for what we got today because Dallin is going to be the best nicknames of all time. So yeah. we are going athlete by athlete. 
who's got the best nicknames. Um, this is a stacked draft, Dallin. Oh man. I mean, the, the possibilities really are endless here and, um, it's going to be interesting to see what direction each of us goes. You have the first pick of the draft. I know. And Dallin, I mean, literally the world is your oyster with this pick. You can literally do whatever the heck you want with it. You know, sometimes you want the first pick in these. Like sometimes it's like, you know, I, there's one guy that you want and you're like, I got to get this. This draft is the complete opposite. I don't want number one. I don't want to have to start with who has the best. I have no idea how these guys rank. I would much rather go second and just, get, you know, not have the pressure of picking the first name off of this. But uh, I do have the first pick. So, uh, and I do have like 20 name, 20 plus names written down as potential picks uh, across all different sports. So with that said, Mitch, uh, I have thought about this because I didn't know I was going to have the first pick. So I did some preparation so I wouldn't flounder here as I got on the clock. So I'm going to go with uh, a name that I think deserves to be number one because there's there's a bunch of different types of nicknames. And we'll get into them. Some that are iconic. Some are funny. Some are intimidating or have like a sort of uh, like an edge to them that makes it really interesting. Uh, this this player and this nickname fits in the iconic so iconic that we call him by his nickname not his real name so i'm going to go with irving magic johnson uh yeah. for number one overall because when you're synonymous when your name nickname is so good that it becomes your real name i mean we've kind of reached a new level right and he sim he simply was magic on the court uh that's what he was. So it's a perfect nickname for an all-time player. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go Irving Magic Johnson at the top. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's clear. I mean, that was going to be the 101. I mean, okay. Oh, yeah. good. Because I felt proud. I'm not going to lie. I was like, dude, if I pick a bad one, are people going to flame me? Like, how the hell is no, that I mean, 101? That's... I was like, I'm like, I don't, where do you start? But And I, and I, I, and yeah. I, I think that that's. That's the that's the key there to know that you got a great nickname is when you were only referred to by your nickname. Right. Right. Yep. And I mean that yeah, that was that was going to be the number one, the you know, the one oh one. I I Okay. There was no doubt about that. And Dallin, that's why on my first pick, I'm following in the same vein of players that were known mm -hmm. by their nickname. And this one not as cool as magic, but just as iconic. I'm going with George Herman babe ruth okay yeah when you're known by just the nickname it, it be it essentially becomes your first name it has to be iconic so i'm I'm going with the babe babe ruth okay yeah i mean i again yeah iconic uh i i legitimately didn't even know his first name till i was doing the, the looking in this for this oh. exercise and, and and gathering full names and putting it all i was like oh yeah i had never thought about babe ruth's first name ever in my life it's just that's who he is <laughs> you know it ain't like, babe it's george yeah. so. <laughs> i love it i love it Great um, 101. now look i for the my for my second pick i am going to go with the one that i truly wanted to take first overall because mm -hmm. This person means this athlete, this driver means a lot Ooh, to me. Yep. And um, this sport means a lot to me. 
It's the best nickname in motorsports. I'm going with the Intimidator, Dale Earnhardt. So good. It's so good. I mean, <laughs> he's just... And it, you know what? The nickname perfectly personified his driving style. When you looked back in your rearview mirror and you saw number three behind you, that black number three, you either got out of the way or you got moved out of the way. That's the way he drove, and everyone respected him for it. So... Um, the Intimidator, raise hell, praise Dale. Got to go with my boy, the Intimidator, Dale Earnhardt. That's such a good one, Mitch. And honestly, it is one I considered at my 101 because as you said so well, like it's such a perfect nickname for the man in it. And again, like, as I mentioned, there are certain types of different types of nicknames. That is one that just like sort of hits different. It sort of strikes different as a competitor when the Intimidator is behind you. Right. Yeah. And like, and that guy is the intimidator, you know? It's like not a joke. Like you're you know? saying it now and I'm getting goosebumps. And you're yeah, just like, exactly. it's like exactly. oh, that's the intimidator, you know? Yeah. And it, it just hits differently. And there's some athletes that had that had a style to them <laughs> and a nickname that fit it. And yeah, Earnhardt was absolutely there. I really did consider he was he was in consideration there at the top because that's such a great nickname. I'm so, so glad you didn't because I would have been so I, mad if you did. And I would have, <laughs> and that's almost why I didn't. I was like, I kind of feel bad if I take the NASCAR. <laughs> Our name for Mitch. That's gonna be a bummer, but uh yeah, so it's all yours, buddy. You got it. Uh thank you. Uh, all all right. righty, I am back up with my second pick here. Mitch goes Babe Ruth uh and the uh Dale Earnhardt, the intimidator. Uh we went Magic Johnson at the 101. I'm gonna go to the NFL. Mm. I'm between a couple here. So I'm going to go with, you know, maybe this one is a little, maybe it's a little controversial. I don't know. But I'm going to go with uh, a big name for a big personality in the NFL. I'm going primetime. Deion <clears throat> Sanders. Because I think much in the way, in a different way, but much like you said with Dale Earnhardt, a perfect name that personifies the player, right? Dion was primetime. And uh, everything about him was prime time. And so what a yeah. fitting nickname for an all-time player. Uh, and one of the more fitting among the NFL. No, it's not the coolest. It's not the flashiest, not the funniest, but arguably the most fitting for uh, those NFL players. So I'll go prime time D on it at number two. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're finding a trend with these, with these nicknames. They're just fitting. They are yeah. fitting more, more than like even with magic Johnson, right? Like, what he did, see, he was like a magician with the basketball. It's it's just fitting for who they are as an athlete. And uh, I think that's what's really going to be the big takeaway from all these nicknames is the fittingness of them. Yeah. 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 Um, I may change that here with this next pick. Maybe we'll find out. Oh, okay. uh, I, all right. Now, now that I'm up with my third. I mean, we all need one funny one, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you said it all so well, and I agree with you, but I may ruin that a little bit. Uh, number three here. So I'm going to go back to the NBA for number three with one of the best nicknames of all time. White chocolate. Oh, I'm picking Jason yeah. Williams at the with my 103 white chocolate. And yeah, you're probably right. This is fitting for him. It's it is not like fitting, it's not no. a fitting nickname. The guy played with a swagger and, uh, you know, for, for a white guy that made you think to like, look twice and like, wait, who is that? What is this guy doing out there? I mean, he was just, uh, and what I love about it too is, you know, the names that we've listed so far are legends, right? Hall of Fame players, all-time greats in their sport. Jason Williams was not that. He was a great player, 
right? Don't get me wrong. Great player deserves his respect, but he was not a great in the league, but has, but is remembered and is iconic in large part because of his iconic nickname. And we'll see maybe a couple more guys like this in our list. We'll see if they make it through, but that's why I'm going to go with uh, white chocolate, Jason Williams. I love, I love that pick down. That's, that's such a great pick. And it's so fitting too, for, for his play style, how smooth he was, right? Smooth yep. like chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yep. He happens to be white. So white chocolate, <laughs> the, the elbow pass. Come on. Perfect. It's perfect. I love All that right. pick for you. Okay. My third pick, I'm going to go back to the NBA and I'm going with the first rhyming nickname off off the board. Hmm. And I'm going to go with Hakeem, the dream, Elijah Wan. Ooh, okay. I like it. I love the nickname, the dream, man, because his play style was a dream. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, just everything smooth. He did, like, as a big man, he did some small man stuff, right? He could handle. He can move. Um, this guy was a dream to have on your team, and I, I think it's perfectly fitting for him to go here in the third round. I like it. I like, a little bit of surprise to me. I'm not going to lie, but I, a great nickname nonetheless. Surprise. Okay. I, I I love surprising people. I love surprising people. Uh, number four on the, number four for me though. And I'm, I want to go NFL here. I, I I'm going to complete the, the quadfecta, if you will, <laughs> four different sports. Ah, <sighs> You know what? I'm making another selfish pick. Mm. I'm going with sweetness. Walter Payton. Yeah. Sweetness, man. And again, something that fits the play style, man. Every move he cut, every move he made, every cut he made, just pure sweetness. Sugar, the way the guy that the way that guy ran. Uh, Walter Payton, one of my favorite NFL players of all time. Um I can't wait to go to heaven and watch him play football up there because I know he's doing it right now. Uh, Walter Payton definitely has to be on here. Give me sweetness. Okay. You know, uh, yeah, I like that one, Mitch. Uh, you know, a bear's great. Not a surprise that you picked him. I'm, you know, it's another great bear's nickname out there. I'm maybe surprised I, I didn't hear there. I know. So, I mean, you could still take it. I can still take it. I'm not going to say it because we might talk about it, but uh, sweetness is a great one. He was, that was, that was a great nickname for Walt Payton. So love yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah. All righty. I've got my last two picks. Four and five back to back here for my fourth pick. I'm going to go to the MLB because uh, I've got to also complete. You know, I got, I got to round it out. Too. I got a couple NBA players. Got Dion. I'm going to go to the uh, MLB with uh, what I think is one of the most iconic nicknames in all of sports history. And that is Mr. October. Uh, I'm going Reggie Jackson, Mr. October here for number four, because it's not the coolest, the flashiest, the funniest nickname, but like what it meant was oh so real, you know, that come October, this guy is on and he's going to be the best player on that field. And he was, and that was Reggie Jackson. And that's why he earned that nickname and knowing that in the playoffs come October, you're the pitcher on the mound and Mr. October's coming up to bat. I mean, that had to sort of shake you for a second and had to intimidate you. So I think that's such a classic nickname. So I'll, I'll throw it to Reggie Jackson there for number four. I love it. I love that one. Love it. 
Okay, last one for me. Uh, this is uh, this is a bit of a fun one. We got to have some fun here. And there are so many fun ones. And I can't wait to talk about the honorable mentions that didn't make our list because there's going to be some great names on here. But I'm going to go with not an NFL legend, but an XFL legend. I'm going uh, with Rod Smart. He, he hate me. Let's he go. hate me. <laughs> I mean, does it get more iconic that he hate me? Like that guy literally is the only thing people remember about the first generation of the XFL. It's like that was it. And it turned him. He wasn't even that great of a player, but it gave him a second chance in the NFL. He ended up playing a couple seasons after uh, his XFL run with that iconic nickname on his jersey. He hate me because they allowed those nicknames on the jerseys and yeah, I mean, just iconic for iconic, kind of like a, in a lesser way of like white chocolate, not a great player, but, you know, had an iconic nickname that gets remembered still to this day. So there you go. Rod Smart. He hate me. Uh, Dallin, it was on my short list. Oh, it good. Was on my short list. Oh, good. I'm glad I took it. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a good one. Okay. Uh, one more. So left. I'm, I'm between two and I'll just tell you what they are because you can't steal them now. Yeah. So. I'm between Pete Rose or Larry Bird. Okay. Pete Rose would be Charlie Hustle. Mm-hmm. Or do I go with the Larry Bird one, which is a little bit more fun, a little bit more funny. Yeah, a little more memorable in my mind, but you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta make your decision here. This is your <sighs> this is your list. This is your top five. Your draft, where are you yeah, going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I am going to go with the Hick from French Lick, okay. Larry Bird. Love it. I would love to have taken Charlie Hustle there, but the Hick from French Lick is just so memorable, funny, right? It's got a little bit of a humor to it. Um, and, you know, it the, the rhyming, the alliteration, it all works. <laughs> it all works. It's... uh. Yeah, it's just a, it's a great nickname. That's it's a great, a great nickname for a guy that's probably like you know, that is a top ten NBA player of all time, and he's got such a weird nickname. It's 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 fun to put them together. So. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know. Maybe one of the more it is known, but more obscure nicknames that you know maybe the casual fan doesn't realize that that is a nickname for Larry Bird. You know, the Hick from French Lick. But I love it. I think yeah, it's they, a, it's I think they would one. usually a lot of people would associate him with the Great White Hope. Or something like right. that, you know, yeah. one of those nicknames that he had back in the 80s. But the Hick from French Lick is what I always associated him with. So um, love it. Yeah, there's so many great nicknames out there. We couldn't include them all in oh. our lists. But let's uh, let's run through them. Let's run through our top five. Our drafts are the best nicknames in sports for the folks. I'll go first here with my five starting at number one. Irving Magic Johnson. Primetime Deion Sanders. White Chocolate, Jason Williams, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, and He Hate Me, Rod Smart. Yeah, starting from number one for me, George Babe Ruth, Dale Earnhardt, The Intimidator, Hakeem, The Dream, Elijah Wan, Sweetness, Walter Payton, and The Hick from French Lick, Larry Bird. Love it. Those are some solid top fives. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, who had the better list, the better co- draft here of uh, best nicknames in sports? If if we left somebody off that you're just like, how did you 
Forget that nickname. Let us know in the comments or uh, shoot us a message on Instagram. I mean, uh, I mean I'm looking what? at one right now. There are great ones. Let's get into some of these honorable mentions. We're, what were? Give me three names because there's going to be a lot. Give me three that just really hurt to leave off. Like three that you're just, oh, man, I wish I could have done eight I'm, so I could put these guys on there. I mean, the glove, Gary Payton. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, that is that is one of those perfect nicknames. It is yeah. a perfect nickname. For a perfect, uh, like fits the player perfectly. Love it. I mean, mean Joe Green also mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah. Um, the big unit, Randy Johnson. How did you not pick William the Refrigerator Perry? That was the one that I was like, he chose Sweetness Walter Payton over the fridge. I was kind of surprised. I thought that's where you were going. I love, I love the fridge. I love everything Bears. You know, yeah, of course, everything Bears. But you know, to me. It sweetness just spoke. It just speaks more to me mm. than the fridge. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. does. Fair um, enough. But you know, Pistol Pete Maravich was another so one. Yeah. Uh, so many. Did you have what, what were the ones that really stuck with you? Yeah. Um. So on the funnier side, you know, the round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley. That's oh, just yeah. a you know, that's a classic one. That one's that one's pretty funny. Uh, the muscle hamster, Doug Martin. That was one I oh. really. If I wasn't going to go, he hate me, I was probably going to go Muscle Hamster because Doug Martin, that's such a funny nickname. And it's also like so fitting. It really is. Like it's so dumb, but it also like hits right. Uh, The big sexy Bartolo Colon. Oh my gosh. uh, Yes. That was another one. And then some of the more like iconic ones, Beast Mode for Marshawn. You know, I thought that's always a great name. The Black Mamba with Kobe. Uh, And then one of the more underrated ones, uh, Daryl Griffiths, Dr. Duncanstein. That one low-key should probably be in there. But Daryl Griffiths, the jazz great uh, with the New Orleans jazz, uh, was a high-flying dunker. And his nickname was Dr. Duncanstein, Dr. which I is just, that. that slaps, dude. That's pretty good. So, I love uh, yeah, that. those are some of the ones that I had. So You you mentioned the funny ones, too. And one I, did, I just was thinking of when you were mentioning those was uh, Robert Ory, Big Shot Bob. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another another great one, man. Love Dude, that. We have to do this again. We have to yeah. do a second edition yeah. of this. Just make yeah. sure that these aren't eligible so we can't right. take them again. And we got to draft them again because there's too many. There are too many to do, to talk about. So there are so many nicknames and that's great. Maybe what you know, maybe what we should do if you'd be down. What if we did like a current nicknames? draft oh yeah of uh yeah. the current guys in sports best nicknames in sports right now you know maybe something like that could be fun so i, love I mean that. there's as you said so many uh choices uh to pick from and uh again we had a lot of fun doing this draft if you have any thoughts great nicknames uh, that we didn't mention that you think uh could have deserved uh a, a shout out here let us know in the comments or again uh shoot us a message on our instagram or twitter uh either will work mitch that's that's like pretty much all we got today. That's, that's it. Uh, that's the podcast. It's it's mid-June, folks. Uh, the NBA season is over. The NHL season is over. This is the slow time of sports. Unfortunately, for the next about six to eight weeks, we're, we're, we're pretty, uh, you know, we'll get the NBA draft next week, a little bit of stuff there. And then, you know, and then it'll be training camp in August when we start getting real close to sports again. So uh, we'll have some fun content for the next couple weeks keeping it light, more drafts, tier rankings, you know, who knows what else we'll throw out there. We'll have a lot of fun, but uh, we appreciate you hanging around as you always do. If you tuned in on YouTube 
or on Twitter tonight on the live broadcast. Uh, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you uh, being willing to look at these ugly mugs for like an hour or two. You know, it's a tough task on a Wednesday night, but you endured it. So good on you. So applause uh, to you. Well done. Applause to well you. Done. And uh, if you're if you are afraid of our faces, uh, it's not that bad. You could jump over and join us live on Wednesday nights. But if you can't and you do listen to the podcast feed, we do appreciate you as well uh, for listening. So, um, yeah, if you don't already, Mitch, uh, Mitch, remind people, uh, let, tell people the socials, uh, let, let, remind people where they can find us. All right. You can find us on Instagram at the sports hour guys. You can find us on Twitter at sports hour guys. You can uh, follow us on TikTok at the sports hour guys. Um, that's where you're going to find us on the socials. You can also mm-hmm. listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to get on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating review, tell us that we suck, because Dallin, that's the only way that we can get better. That is. That is the only way that we can get better. Also, check out the website if you haven't, the sportshourguys.wordpress.com. Uh, yeah, episode 168. Uh, in the books, my friend. Uh, another uh, successful one, if you ask me. Not Very big- successful. Like, right. did you have a good time? I oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I did. Sorry. All right. Well, you know what, Mitch, I'm stopping this music and I'm restarting it because I didn't leave you enough time to get out of this. So <laughs> now, now we're going to do it again. I lost your audio was, there for a no, minute no, now. It's, well, no, it's good. And I was just casually chatting and then realized I didn't give us enough time to let Mitch get out of this. So now we're going to we're gonna just bring it back in. Oh, wait, did it really just restart? Oh, my gosh. Can oh, we, no. Can we get a restart? This is a total disaster. So long, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. See ya! We did it.